I wasn't being present and focused specifically around the family. That's what was most, you know, impactful. And when I looked at um, my fitness career, I was like, man, the best workouts I get are when I'm against the clock, right? Like that's really what CrossFit kind of innovated in my opinion was working out against the clock. Cause for so many years we'd go around the gym and do a little bit of this, a little bit of that. And it was fine. But as soon as you added the layer of a clock, it added a competitive spirit. So I started taking that clock to everything I was doing from doing this with you to, to, you know, playing with my kids to being with my wife at dinner. It's I'm being present. I'm being focused. I'm working hard in this time frame that I set. And then I switch gears to the next focus. So maybe in the morning it's a workout. I'm focused. Then it's a time with the kids. And then it's this and it's that when I'm at work, be at work when I'm at home, be at home. And for anybody who exercises, I just think it's a really easy analogy for them to think about. This is episode number 102 with Jason Kalipa. Welcome to Pursuing Health. I'm Julie Fouché, family medicine resident and former CrossFit Games athlete. Here, I bring to you information and inspiration from experts and everyday individuals for how to use lifestyle to maximize health. Thank you so much for joining me. Now let's get started with this week's episode. Well, hello there and welcome back to Pursuing Health. A very Merry Christmas to all of you who are listening today. In this episode, I got to sit down with Jason Kalipa, who you may know as a prominent CrossFit Games athlete, a father of two, as well as the owner of NC Fit, which includes six different CrossFit affiliates and numerous corporate gyms across the world. Jason Kleba is well known for his eight appearances at the CrossFit Games, including multiple podium finishes and the title of Fittest Man on Earth in 2009. For seven years, Jason competed as an individual, and in 2015, he shifted his focus to the team competition in order to spend more time with his family. 2016, however, however, brought even bigger changes for Jason when his daughter, Ava, was diagnosed with leukemia at the age of four. Together with his wife, Ashley, his son, Caden, and their extended family, Jason turned his focus into helping his daughter regain her health, applying many of the lessons he had learned as a CrossFit Games competitor. Today, Ava is cancer-free, and Jason continues to work to find balance in the time spent on his training, his business, and his family. In this conversation, we discussed everything from Jason's CrossFit Games career and decision to retire, how he and his family approached Ava's leukemia diagnosis, and how that experience has changed him for the better, and how he's developed an AMRAP approach to successfully balancing family, fitness, and business. A few quick reminders before we get started. First, this episode is produced by CrossFit Beyond the Whiteboard, the best workout tracking in the biz and the one I've been using since 2009. You can learn more about it at beyondthewhiteboard.com. If you're enjoying the podcast, please remember to head over to iTunes to subscribe and consider giving it a rating. It really does make a difference and helps to get these episodes out to more listeners. I'm also always looking for inspiring stories to share. So if you or someone you know has used lifestyles to overcome a serious health challenge, please send your story to me at info at juliefouché.com and I'll select some to share here on future episodes. Finally, please remember that although I am now officially a doctor, this podcast is meant to share the experiences of individuals and does not provide medical advice. So let's get started here with episode number 102 of Pursuing Health featuring Jason Kalipa. Well, 
Welcome back to Pursuing Health. I'm super excited to be here with Jason Kalipa. Thanks for joining me, and um, thanks for having me here in your home and your own podcast studio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in the office, yeah. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for coming by. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, and we were actually just noticing this shirt behind us is from the 2014 CrossFit Invitational, which I think is the last time that we both competed together. Yeah, so for those of you who are watching this on video, I have um, hung up in here a t-shirt obviously framed from uh, the SAP Center. Remember we Mm -hmm. did it here in the San Jose. San Jose, yeah. And uh, yeah, that was the last time well, that was the last year that I competed as an individual, and then the following year I competed on a on a team. Mm-hmm. But that was the last year I competed individual. Yep, definitely. So, and that was also the last year I competed as an individual at the games, and then 2015 I injured myself at regional. So, kind of similar stories, but yeah. um, but now obviously a few years later, a lot of things have changed. We've both sort of retired from CrossFit Games competition. What is life like for you now without that goal of training for the CrossFit Games? Uh, you know, a lot of it has to do with the time that you're spending and where you allocate it. So at that point in my life, like when we competed, you know, I was training hours a day to try and win the CrossFit Games and, and it was it was great. But that was time away from my family, time away from our business. And so now I've taken that time that I was training and now I've been able to allocate it. And what I've seen is that not only is my personal life, you know, on kicking on all cylinders, my daughter, my family, my son, but also then the business has really, I think has been doing better because I've been able to allocate more time. And it's kind of one of those things, I'm sure you see this in what you do. The more time you spend on something, obviously the, you know, hopefully the better the outcome is. And so it's not that I'm not working out. I'm still training. I'm still enjoying it, but I'm not training for the purpose of competing at the CrossFit Games. It's just a different mindset. Definitely. So what does your training look like now in comparison to what it was back then? So back then it would, it would more normally start off with like a morning session, like in, in the AM, like fasting cardio. Then like later on in the day, it'd be like an hour, 90 minute session of like traditional CrossFit. And then at night would be more of like a skill, uh, stamina building. What that would be would be, you know, in this house right here would be in the garage. I'd be doing uh, you know, pull-ups every minute on the minute or whatever, something like 20 minutes of handstand push-ups before dinner. It, that would be traditionally what I was doing for a long period of time and track workouts once or twice a week, swim out workouts, blah, blah, blah. It just took a lot of time. A lot of time. And not to mention the recovery, the meal prep, like all of those things that you have to have so on point um, when you're going for that goal. Especially like the CrossFit Games. I don't think people realize the amount of time you need to prepare for the CrossFit Games versus like the Open or Regionals because of the type of events. So if you're going to, you know, get prepared for the CrossFit Games and some events are going to be three hours long, well then to prepare for those three-hour events, you need to prepare by doing three-hour events. Right. (laughs) And so it's not as simple as doing a 15 or 20-minute AMRAP or five-minute Fran or whatever it is is there's a lot of additional time you spend on, on your feet, in the water. And and that's really what was taxing on the time away from the family. Definitely. So what does your training look like now? So now I, uh, well, like for example, today, I did an hour session with, with some friends and it was mainly like a strength and then a conditioning. I, I follow our NC Fit. So we have gyms and we have our own app. And so I follow our app programming and I okay. follow our, our gym programmingly, I either take class or I just do it when I'm on the road because I travel a lot. Cool. Yeah. I've been getting back into classes too lately and 
I love it. I think especially when you can do it in a class, there's nothing better. Like you don't realize how much extra stress or kind of energy it takes to motivate yourself and to keep yourself moving through that timeline. Whereas if you have a whole group of people doing it with you and a coach, I think it just makes it so much easier and so much more fun. For sure. I mean, I think that's the part of also like as a competitor, you know, it's like you're all trying to like raise each other up and in a class you're trying to vibe off the energy that's created organically. And I think that's really important. So I like taking classes and it's also a good way as a gym owner to allow your coaching staff to, uh, kind of tell you what to do versus the other way around. Right. And then also to um, determine what your product is like. You know, you got to put your, there's something about high-fiving your members and testing the product yourself that I think is really important. Yeah, definitely. Um, So kind of, I want to talk a little bit about making this transition from, you know, training for the CrossFit Games to where you are now. And I think in some ways... You know, we had a similar transition, not certainly definitely very different in a lot of ways, but in some ways, both of us had sort of something in life that kind of forced that transition that said, okay, it's like, you don't really have a choice. This is the way you're going to go. Whereas I think a lot of athletes are in that struggle of when is the right time to move on? When is the right time to shift my priorities? Um, So maybe you could talk just a little bit about what that decision point was like for you? Yeah. I mean, for me, it's probably gonna be different than for most. Yeah. But I think in CrossFit, you're going to start seeing a lot of the athletes going through this process where they're saying to themselves, okay, I've dedicated myself to the sport for X amount of years. And, you know, maybe they've given themselves a timeline, but they need to take a step back and realize it's not necessarily, it's, it's by placing their energy in this path, what are they giving up? And at what age are they prepared to say, hey, look, you know what? I gave this a great run, but now I need a shift. And so for me, what happened is, you know, I started competing in CrossFit in 2008 at the CrossFit Games and I won then. Which was the second year, correct? Second year. And so just, you know, every year for the next eight years, I competed and it was great. You know, I saw the sport grow and sponsorships came in. It was awesome. However, as the as the sport grew, our business grew and my family grew. And so those become conflicting because in the early days of CrossFit, there wasn't really any money in it. So we had to start a gym to provide for our family, of course. Well, what happens is as the business started to grow from one location to multiple, and as the CrossFit game started taking up more time, eventually it got to a place where I was sitting down, I was reflecting with my wife and I was like, you know, there's just not enough time in the day to get done what I want to get done. Yeah. And so that's why I switched to team. And that was a little bit better because I was able to kind of, um, focus more on what I was good at instead of focusing all this time on what I wasn't good at. You know, as an individual, you need to kind of be a jack of all traits. On a team, you could kind of find areas that you could excel and help the team. And it pulled some of the pressure off of me on a team. It was really fun. But then the following year, obviously, my daughter was um, diagnosed with leukemia. And that was like the easiest transition of my life. And so I think even if she hadn't been diagnosed, I'm not quite sure what would have happened with my competition career. But I think each person needs to do this evaluation in their head of like, hey, you know, what am I giving up by doing this? And is it in line with my my kind of vision for my future? I think for me, it was like, I'm never going to be able to get back this time with my children. Right the business is in a place where I need to give it attention and competing started to feel at times selfish because I started to feel like I'm doing all this stuff, but then look at the stress it's causing my wife. Look at the stress it's causing uh, for the business. And it was a phenomenal run. But when Ava was diagnosed, you know, I, I wrote an email and this is actually in the book we could talk about, but I wrote an email the night she was diagnosed and just said, Hey, look, 
whether it's a month, six months, a year, from now on, my sole focus is this, and I didn't have time for even thinking about doing the open or right. or anything for that matter, except for except for that one thing. Right. Yeah, that's pretty. I mean, obviously, a very Extreme. tough challenge to be encountered with, but you know, obviously, that makes the decision very clear. But I think, even like you said, making that shift when you went from individual to team, and kind of that inventory that you had to take and say, you know, what are things are are being sacrificed right now by me competing as an individual? Like you said, your family life or your business. I think that's something that a lot of people can take away from because we all, of course, want to do it all. We want to be, you know, in the gym or working out maybe multiple times a day. We want to be, um, you know, doing well at work. We want to be doing well at home. We maybe have other hobbies or other demands. And sometimes it's the hardest thing to actually take a step back and and stop doing some of the things that we're doing. Um, Just because it seems, I think in our world today, it seems like, oh, everyone can kind of handle so many things and excel at them. That's what you see sort of on, you know, with social media, but in reality, you know, if you want to do something well, you can't be doing, you know, putting that same energy into five different areas of your life. Yeah. I mean, take, take, for example, with you, you know, as you're going through med school, you start testing all these different things through your, um, you know, your residency and then you finally kind of pick a focus, but it's, you're not picking all the focuses. You're picking a focus and that within that focus, obviously there's a ton of things that are built up inside, but it's still a specific area. And I think that's important to recognize that in life, you know, whether it be, you know, in business, if you're trying to, what I've found is that when people graduate from college or even, even before that, they kind of go for one job for a year and then another job for a year and another job for a year. And I think that's challenging because they never really get to an opportunity to become really good at it. Right. And I think just consistency and sticking with something is really important. Absolutely. Absolutely. What are some of the lessons that you learned from training at that high level and the elite level of a sport that you now still apply on a daily basis in your in your family life or your business life? Well, I think, you know, for me, I started seeing a sports um, like therapist early on and I started to recognize that I would have like these, it just, you know, things would happen. I'd get all in my head and then I, would, I, I wouldn't perform as well as I wanted to. And right. I'm still performing okay, but not to where I wanted to. And when I started meeting with him on a consistent basis, there was really two or three primary things I think I learned through competing that really carried over so well in real life. The first one was understand was in your control versus out of your control. He yes. would have me take two circles, put on a piece of paper, and we we specifically we would start doing it with the CrossFit Games. Like, yeah, oh well, totally. I can't control what Rich Froney's going to do, but I can't control how I tie my shoes. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's really important. But then I I eventually, in addition to that, there's positive self talk. So those were two really important things that I started incorporating in competition for me to try and win. But I never really realized the benefit they would play over to real life. And what I mean by that is with positive self-talk, he would teach me um, how in the garage when you're going through a workout, how to take a negative reaction and reframe it into a positive one. So your legs are hurting. You say, my legs hurt. Instead, you try and transfer it to, you know, like you're coaching yourself, right? right. Find your heels or this and right. that. And being able to take that and then see how it directly correlated when life really gives you some, you know, something challenging, I think was really powerful. And I would recommend anybody, you know, one of the greatest gifts that the CrossFit Games gave me that I didn't even know it at the time. And I, and I maybe would have never have known it was that it wasn't the money. It wasn't the sponsorships. It wasn't the fame. It wasn't the amazing times that I had what it really was, was it gave me a set of skills to learn how to overcome adversity 
in a in a in a opportunity in an opportunity where it wasn't life and death. Like if you lose an event, you lose an event. Right. But at that time, it was a really it big deal. It seems like a big deal. Yeah. yeah. But later on in life, as you mature, you start recognizing that at the end of the day, that was just a sport. It was a game. But in real life, it's not a game. Right. And when our back was really up against the wall many, many times in the hospital, it's crazy how those experiences allowed me to, you know, kind of stay more present, overcome more adversity when, when, when life really threw us a, a curveball. Absolutely. And I think, you know, I want to talk more about Ava's journey because now, you know, she's, you know, completed her treatment. She's doing really well, but take us through what it was like at the beginning when she was first diagnosed. And I think, you know, for me as an outsider looking in, seeing, you know, hearing you talk about this, it makes a lot of sense because the first thing I noticed was that your and Ashley's response was so, you know, you never, you never were like, oh, this is, this is bad. This is, you know, negative. It was always like, we're going to overcome this. We're going to figure it out. And you just kind of jumped two feet, you know, full into this effort. And it was really amazing to kind of watch from a distance as you guys, as you guys did that. Yeah. Thank you. And I think it's just the beginning. You know, I think that, that, you know, look, the last three years we've learned so much and, but I think it's given us, um, bigger purpose with what we want to do. I think it's made me closer to my family, closer to, uh, there was a lot of good that came from this, but I don't, again, I, I don't wish it upon my worst enemy. Sure. So it's like, it's this weird conflicting thing. Of course. But you know, when, 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 uh, Ava was first diagnosed, you know, my wife, uh, r- right when, right when she was diagnosed, my wife and I go into the hallway and my father-in-law was with my daughter and my wife, like she gave me like this huge pump up speech, like, Hey, look, you tell anybody who comes here, you tell our family that Ava has leukemia, but you make sure they know that there's no tears being shed in her room. And we're going to, we're going to get after this and we're going to win. And it was just like one of those moments, like it still gives me just goosebumps even yeah. thinking about it. It was one of those moments where like it was the greatest football pump up speech ever. <laughs> and it was that mindset that was like immediate for her. Um, and I think speaking about her, I think that was something that the CrossFit Games also gave us was that, you know, we think that when we're competing, it's hard. And we think that like, but it's even harder on the people that love us because it's completely outside their control. Right. So they're watching you, you know, fall or whatever it is and they have to learn to overcome that and so i think that when this came up with our family um it was a testament to her strength because she kind of set the tone and then it just transferred over to me that hey look we're gonna become experts at this as best we can we're gonna do everything in our power to to win and um you know that's what we did and it's been uh it's been a really uh, it's been a really uh life-changing experience, you know, and I think originally when she was diagnosed, I said to somebody, it's going to be life-changing, but I don't, I don't think I really realized it until like you went through it. You, all. you went through it. Yeah. And I think you say things like, Oh, it's life-changing, but it really was. It life-changing. really was. <laughs> like, unless someone has experienced that, I don't think they can really even understand how life-changing it would be. Yeah. Mainly in your perspective. Right. Yeah. I think, I think that in times, you know, life has its ups and downs and, I think with social media, it's really tough because you see a lot of these people are always putting out this positive, like I'm in, you know, the Caribbean or this and that. And and so it starts to kind of, some people start beginning depressed if they're not doing that or if it's not happening as quickly to them. But I would, I would recommend for those same people to take, take in and, you know, to go visit a children's hospital or any hospital for that matter and see the struggles that are occurring on a daily basis and that them being healthy and their family being healthy and, you know, 
is a blessing already and they don't need to get wrapped up in other people's stuff. You know, I think that was the biggest thing that just shifted my mindset is like, I would leave the hospital, like I'm going there tomorrow and you would just leave with this new sense of just gratefulness. Absolutely. What are some of, like you said, it was life-changing. What are some of the ways that it has been life-changing for you or how are you different now than you were three years ago? I think I'm more patient. I think I'm um, more grateful about the small things. I think that um, I think that I'm more motivated than ever to work hard. I saw a lot of families go through a lot of stuff and I saw how money played a really big role. And I saw with our family, money was never a, a topic of discussion. It, it, it was just a neutral component, meaning my, my inspiration to work hard from now until the, forever is that I never wanted to become a conversation piece. It should just be neutral. It shouldn't be something that runs your life, but it also shouldn't be something that, that you need to think about so much. I saw these families who they have to deal with their kid being so sick and yet they still have to worry about paying the cell phone bill and this and this getting even gas to get there. And so I think one way it's changed my life is that I'm inspired to work hard to so that if anything ever does happen in the future, we're in the best position to help ourselves, but also to help other families. You know, my wife and I, we, um, she started a, an annual event where we're fundraising for children. Cause I think it's really important, uh, to give these families, uh, an opportunity to go out with their kids and we call breakaway adventures. Oh, cool. So it's given her a lot of purpose there where we're giving these families breakaway adventures. And for me, it's just really just giving me a sense of gratitude, right? Where if something challenging is going on in my life, I just reflect back to some of these really dark days and I remind myself that, Hey, it's all good. Right. Gives you that perspective. Yeah. And I'm sure you've seen it too. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, yeah, there's nothing like, you know, the, the little things that we may complain about on a day-to-day basis, as soon as you see someone suffering in that way, it's like none of that stuff matters. You can't even. Yeah. And I also like to say though, and I just want to be clear about this, like what's really bad for me is what's bad for somebody is really bad for them. Meaning like who's to say that our situation is worse than somebody losing their job or whatever to them, that might be the worst thing that's ever happened in their life. Right. right? And so it's all relative. But one of the other things that has taught me through this process is that to be more compassionate to other people, right? Cause you never know what they're going through. And I don't right. judge anybody for that. And then also, um, how as a group of friends, it's our responsibility to kind of lift each other up. And I think that's something from this tribe mentality that we've lost sometimes is that, with family, with close friends, like people are going to have their ups and downs. Right. But when people are down, the other people need to raise them up. And when they're up, they need to raise it. And, and I think that's really important. Um, something I do that people maybe take away is that a buddy of mine was just diagnosed with cancer. And I put a um, alert in my phone for every two weeks to text message him. Just because I think that little reassurance that someone's there on an ongoing basis could be something really important. Absolutely. Just, you know, just knowing that you have people behind you, I think yeah, can make such a huge difference. Um, speaking of Ava, Ava's experience in the hospital, we were just talking earlier about, you know, some of your experiences there, but for people who are listening to the podcast who are in healthcare, maybe they're nurses, maybe they're doctors, maybe they're um, working in a hospital setting. What are some of the things you saw that were really positive that were helpful f- for you as a family or for Ava? And then were there any things that maybe were not so positive that you would give as advice to make the experience better? Well, I mean, so we spent give or take three or four months in the hospital. So I, I can speak time. from experience. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think so. And 
I think Lucille Packard and Stanford are exceptional. They saved Ava's life more than once, and I have nothing but great things to say. I would say that as a parent, it was really important for us to be our child's biggest advocate, that no one's going to care as much as we care. doesn't matter who the doctor is, who the nurse is, they're not going to care as much as I care. So it was my responsibility to make sure all the medication was right, this and that. And we would ask questions and get responses. Of course, at the end of the day, the doctor is playing the huge role, but it was our responsibility to make sure that we were on top of everything. And that was one thing that really helped us through the process because you know, there was once or twice where something was missed and we were able to catch it and then they were able to help. Um, I think as in ways of like where it's been excellent is the rapid response teams, the attending to the nurses, to how they play their role. I, I think that watching the way like a learning hospital works has been so exceptional for us to see and the care we received. I don't have anything negative to say um, other than I wish that... Um, I wish that there was more emphasis on fitness in hospitals. I think that especially in the unit that we were in, in oncology, there's a lot of stem cell patients and these people will be there for a year or two, the, the families. Yeah. And for me, I parked a truck in the parking lot, brought all my gear and I would work out in the parking lot. Right. And, or I'd go to the auditorium and do it because I'm kind of into fitness. Right. But if <laughs> kind you're not, of just a little bit. But if you're not like super into it, I think it'd be really cool to put like a little small room with a treadmill and elliptical and whatever, just to kind of give people an outlet where they can go work out and then come back and bring that energy into the room. I think that would be something I wish all hospitals would, would provide, but I would love to see that. I would love to see that even just for the people who are working in the hospital to be able to use that on a break or to kind of help build camaraderie among those employees. I think it would it would be a great thing. Yeah. And then to those of you who are in healthcare as a family who spent a lot of time in the hospital, you know, like your words matter and the way you act matter. And, you know, you could have these families and they're going through their own, like when you come in, the way you act can really impact the way the families feel for the next hour or two. And what I mean by that is not just in the middle of the night where they come on, they turn the lights on and all that stuff. That's fine. They have to do their job. But it's more so like their attitude. Like if you choose to be a nurse and you want to interact with the patients, I think you should come to it with a sense of like happiness. And because these families are going through a lot of really challenging times when you come in and you kind of act like, you know, it's the middle of the night, it's a night shift, you're tired. I get it. But as soon as you open the door, my recommendation would be to, you know, put on a smile because that could be a big difference for the family, Absolutely. you know, uh, because if you're kind of down, then they're down. Right. That kind of attitude is contagious. Yeah, for sure. You know, and then obviously the information you share is really important. So I would just make sure that whatever you say is, is absolutely correct before you say something. Like we've had situations where something was said, and when you're a family going through this, you read into everything. Of course. Yeah. So it's just really important that whatever information you say, you know, you read into it. You don't let people read into it too much. Right. Definitely. Definitely. Um, so as an overview, tell us a little bit about Ava's journey. So she had chemo for, was it two years or a two little bit half, more? Yeah. Two and a half years. So girls get two and a half and then okay. boys get three and a half because okay. it comes back uh, in the test school. Okay. So she's done with her two and a half years of chemo. And you guys did some things to celebrate this summer, correct? Oh, yeah. So we did. So she was diagnosed January 20th, 2016. And um, now we go back for monthly checkups for the next year. Then it's every two months and every three months, et cetera. But um, yeah, as soon as she was done, you know, so we used to travel all the time. And it was really important to her to travel. And I just remember when she got sick, 
you know, we said, hey, look, we can't travel outside the country for a long time and probably can't even travel within the U.S. for, for a little while. And it was, you know, it was kind of tough on her and it was tough on our family because it was something that we kind of connected together, through. Yeah. So I told her, I was like, listen, baby, when we get through this, I'll take you anywhere in the world you want to go, anywhere. You know, we can point at a globe, we can hit it and we'll go for as long as you want. And so she's like, I want to go to Europe and I want to go here, 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 here. So we went for a month That's and amazing. we flew out the family and it was a really, it was a really special time for us because it was a time to really celebrate and we kind of like uh, let go of all the stops, right? Because I said to myself, like, in my lifetime, <laughs> like, I don't know how many more things are going to be something to celebrate than this. Yeah. So let's go all out. And yeah. it was really important to have the family there too because you know, as hard as it was on us, it was really hard on the family. And they were there every day, all day. I mean, every day. That's amazing. And by family, you mean like your immediate extended, family. your immediate family. And then... Like even like my father-in-law, okay. my dad, my, you know, my, my, the in-laws, I mean, every, I mean, they were just Got there every lots day. Lots of support. That's amazing. Oh yeah. Like my mom and dad took our son for a month. Um, my mother-in-law was there every day. I mean, it's just, that kind of supports really, you know, like one that sticks out in my head, like, like it was yesterday. It was, you know, we were in for maybe... I don't know, six weeks at this point. Cause we, we were in for a couple weeks and we went home for a few days and we got back and then we had to be admitted to the ICU and it was kind of a tough time. Yeah. But anyways, we're in the, we're in the room and I come out, it's like, I don't know, five 30 in the morning, six in the morning at the, at the time you know, I didn't sleep well. It's like, I walk out and my father-in-law is just sitting there like, just like, just sitting there. And I'm like, <laughs> six I'm, in like the morning. I'm like, I'm like, dude, like <laughs> he didn't tell us or anything. I was like, what are you doing here? Yeah. It just said to me, it's like, it was like, it's like literally just ingrained in my head. He's like, Jason, where else would I be? And I was like, huh. I was like, now That's I get amazing. it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's amazing. Wow. What are some of the things that you did as a family going through this whole process, obviously investing so much time and energy in it to make sure that you all stayed energized, like your, your wife, your son, you know, your parents, how did you guys help to make sure that you kept your energy high to be the best you could for Ava? Yeah. I mean, I think for me, exercise, obviously a great outlet. So every day it was just an, you know, the 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 attending normally made uh, rounds around 10 a.m. So I knew that. So I would just plan my workout where I was. I had to be within like five or six minutes of of the room. So you know, if I went running, I'd stay within X amount of distance or whatever. And exercise for me just added such an element of just you know, just stress relief. And it was my opportunity to kind of you know be within my own thoughts, and that was critical. Uh, but I also think you know other things we do is like. Um, the night it was diagnosed, this this nurse said to us, she's like, hey, don't forget to have dirt date nights. And I just remember Ash and I just looking at her kind of like, dude, come on. Like that was kind of like a weird omen she put on us, but she was right. She was right. And so what we did is we, we set up date nights all the time. And so what we would do is we'd be in the hospital all day. And then at night we'd go to like happy hour and we would do that maybe like, you know, a couple times a week. And that was our chance to kind of get outside the hospital and, uh, and just kind of have a dull conversation that was outside there. And with those kind of things, in addition to like my, my parents would bring my son to the hospital and we would go out for a couple hours. All of these things, it was a, it was a huge group effort that made it work. And it was, it was a lot of it had to do with just when the time came that we really needed to be on our A game, we had done so much work leading up to it to allow us to overcome it. Meaning the business was doing good. My relationship, my wife was doing good relations with the family and kids were doing good. And I think that any inspiration I'd give anybody is that when life is good, try and create these relationships, try and right. build this hedge mm-hmm. like with your fitness. Right. That's what I was just thinking. It's not just your fitness that helps you build this hedge. It's like you said, 
it's the relationships. It's like you said earlier about financially trying to build this hedge in case something comes up. It's- yeah, I mean, I think anybody who's like, oh, I don't need watches and nice cars. Like, okay, cool, I get that. Like, don't be motivated by watches and nice cars. No problem. But be motivated by the fact that if something came to you or came to your family, money would not be an issue. It wouldn't be a talking point. And, I, and I, what I mean by that is that to me, people put too much emphasis on it or don't put any on it. All I'm saying is make it said doesn't become a factor. Yeah, that's a great way to look at it. Really great. Um, advice for people, friends, say some of your friends as you're going through this process, you see, you have a friend, like you said, you have a friend who was recently diagnosed with cancer. Other than setting a reminder on your phone, is there anything else that you think you can do to help show your support or help that person get through whatever challenge they may be going through. I mean, I get this question a lot from people who find out their friend gets sick and how do they respond? And I think, you know, the day that it was diagnosed, I got, I don't know, maybe, maybe honestly, maybe 400 text messages. I mean, a lot, right? And, but then it goes down to 200 and then it goes down to 100 or whatever. And I think that in the beginning you get flooded with all this love and care. But I think that the goal, just like anything in life is consistency, consistent support. And so my recommendation would be, uh, Again, just checking up, taking them to lunch, or giving them, for example, a date night if their child's sick. Mm-hmm, you know, giving mm-hmm. the like you That's take care great. of the child, yeah. let the parents go out because it's those little moments that can make a big difference. Like it really can, because maybe they're in a really tough time with their kids, and that that little refresher just allows them to kind of take on the next six months or whatever it is. That's great advice. I love it. On that note. I want to get into the AMREP mentality okay. because your <laughs> your book is coming out here shortly. And let's just start there. What is the AMREP mentality and how did you kind of come up with this this method? Yeah. So, uh, well, so January 8th, the book comes out. It's as many reps as possible, which is the acronym is uh, AMRAP, right? And the mentality really was for me years ago, like I was telling you, trying to build a business, trying to compete trying to be a good father. And I just realized like I was doing everything okay and nothing great. I'd be one foot in and one foot out. I'd be on the phone on an assault bike trying to get in intervals <laughs> with conference calls in Asia. Yeah. And I wouldn't have a good conference call because I'm like thinking about, you know, my calorie count <laughs> and I wouldn't have a good calorie count because I'm trying not to, you know, sound too winded on the conference call. Right. And, and what I found was, is that, I wasn't being present and focused specifically around the family. That's what was most, you know, impactful. And when I looked at um, my fitness career, I was like, man, the best workouts I get are when I'm against the clock, right? Like that's really what CrossFit kind of innovated in my opinion was working out against the clock because for so many years we'd go around the gym and do a little bit of this, a little bit of that, and it was fine. But as soon as you added the layer of a clock, it added a competitive spirit. Right. So I started taking that clock to everything I was doing. From doing this with you to to you know playing with my kids to being with my wife at dinner. It's I'm being present, I'm being focused, I'm working hard in this time frame that I set, and then I switch gears to the next focus. So maybe in the morning it's a workout, I'm focused. Then it's a time with the kids, and then it's this and it's that. When I'm at work, be at work, when I'm at home, be at home. And for anybody who exercises, I just think it's a really easy analogy for them to think about. Like how many times have you been at a dinner? and see more people on their phone than actually having conversation. 
And if you have stuff on your phone that's important, if you have business to take care of, that's fine. Then go outside the restaurant and go take care of it. But when you're inside and you're having a meal, just enjoy with that person or don't go at all. <laughs> right. That's kind of like the, the premise of the AMRAP mentality is work hard at something, be present, be focused, and switch gears throughout it. And the idea behind the book was originally I started writing this like a long time ago was mainly as like an anti-hack book. Like I'd seen a lot of stuff come out where work less, get paid more. Right. And I wanted to put out more like, hey, from my experience, the more you work, the more consistent you work, the better off you're going to be. But when Ava got sick, it really reshaped it more so, hey, the reason why you should embrace this AMRAP mentality is because you never would know what life's going to throw at you. And this is going to help you in your relationships, financially, et cetera. Absolutely. You can use it for anything. Yeah. That's so interesting because I, I find the same thing. Um, I, I translated that when I was studying for like a lot of my board exams, you find that you can sit for eight hours a day and do practice questions and you learn a lot, obviously, or you can set yourself a timer and do them Tabata style and you get way more out of it or you're way more efficient. You can study for half the time and still get through as much material. And it's actually a, I think it's a study technique. It's called like the Pomodoro technique where you study or you work for 20 minutes, you rest or no, 25 minutes, you rest for five minutes, repeat that three times. So it's like a 90 minute window and then you take like a half hour break. But it's, I mean, I think that the, what you're talking about with being present is so needed because now with technology and the way people run their lives, you can be constantly distracted, constantly doing too many things at once. And then it's true. You feel like at the end of the day, you're like, well, I don't really feel like I, I put in the quality in each of these different areas. Yeah. I mean, a really good examples for me was I'm walking down the street with my daughter and my wife, this was years ago. And my wife asked me a question and I just look at her. I was like, babe, I'm, I have no idea what you're talking about. I was thinking about walking on my hands, the CrossFit games. <laughs> right. And it was at that moment that I'm like, yeah. someone's got to change. Like, yeah. because I just, it's we we only have so much time in the day and it's about how can we segment it accordingly but if we're going to segment it just segment it and get after it right instead what you find is that you know you could be at work and then all of a sudden you get distracted by the time you refocus back to your work it's 20 30 minutes later right if you had just set yourself a, a clock and not not an actual clock if you want to you can but it's more of a mental clock sure. like hey i'm going to work right now that's what i'm doing yeah i'm going to the gym right now And what do you do in those times? Like, I'm sure, especially kind of in the start of this process, it was harder. But what do you do in those times when you find yourself distracted? How do you bring yourself back to what you're supposed to be focusing on? I get that question a lot. And I think as long as you're aware enough about it, because I get the the messages, hey, you know, today I didn't do a good job doing this. Well, it's like, well, at least you're aware enough that you even thought about it, right? I mean, to be aware enough that when you're at dinner, like if you find yourself scrolling Instagram, like, like that's probably not the most respectful thing to do to your guests. And it's because we just become habitual to it. It becomes a habit and becomes addicting. I get it. Like I get it. It's not like I'm perfect, but at least when you're doing it, you recognize it and you can put it away. That's the first step. And then over time it gets easier and easier. And I'm still not perfect at it. I'm still have a lot of work to do, but at least I'm aware of it on each facet of what I'm trying to accomplish. Sure. And can you take us through a little bit of how, kind of you distill this process down. Like, how do you decide here are the big priorities? These are the things I want to spend my time on. And then how do you build that into kind of your weekly schedule or your daily schedule? Yeah. I mean, so it starts off with like a macro why, like, why do I want to do like, what's my big why? What's my purpose? And then within that why there's smaller whys for each of your focuses. So like 
why do I want to own a, you know, what's my why for having the, the gym business? Well, I want to make an impact on people's lives and provide for other, uh, you know, people to do what they love for a living. Okay. That's my, that's like a deep internal why. And I think when you compete in CrossFit games or anything, you have to have a deep internal reason for it Absolutely. because as soon as it gets hard, if you don't have a deep reason, it's easy just to give up. Absolutely. And I think you see that a lot with people who don't like their career or don't like whatever. As soon as there's a little bit of conflict, it's easy for them just to kind of escape. And if they find themselves doing that over and over again, they need to identify something that really holds strong in their soul. So you first find out that. How did you, how did you go through that process or how did you identify those whys for yourself? Well, for me, it was just a process of finding out, you know, well, I knew my family was a priority because I wanted to, I wanted to have kids. I wanted to provide for them. And so that became something. And then from there you say, okay, well, what can I do for a living to provide for them? Well, now, you know, in the beginning, I, I had a t-shirt company. It didn't do well. I invested in different things. It didn't do well. Finally, I got introduced to fitness at like 15 and I found my, like, that was like my calling. Like I loved it. I thought about it all the time. And that's how I knew there was something there. Yeah. And that's how I knew it was time to open up a gym when I graduated is that when I graduated, I was applying for jobs and I went to this one, um, when I graduated from college, I was applying for this one job in like sales and the lady, I, I, she, she really turned me off because she said my suit wasn't nice enough and she was judging me based on the way I looked first, yeah. like my credentials and my personality. And it was at that moment that I sat back. I was like, is this really where I want to be five, 10 years from now? And I, I realized that wasn't for me. I wanted to follow my passion, follow what was deep inside of me and open up a gym. And I think each person just needs to do a deep reflection of like, what are they trying to do for work? What are they trying to do with family? And for me, it's, you know, business, fitness, and family are like my big pillars other people might have different ones, but sure. I think those are my three. And then from there, I decipher, okay, so if these are my focuses, you know, what are my big focuses? And then how do I have macro focus for the day? So like, for example, if it's fitness today, my focus was this AMRAP and this, right? And, but I don't, I just think about it more in terms of big picture, that these are the things I want to get accomplished. And I check in each evening on how did I do to to do the best I could at each one of those. Okay. So if I'm traveling, I probably didn't do a very good job spending time with the family if I'm in Asia because we have locations there. So when I get home, let's make sure that I, I spend good quality time so that it, it kind of, not rights wrongs, but it just kind of equilibrium again. It out, yeah. So this way I don't wake up five, 10, 20 years from now and have these huge regrets that I was too focused over here and not enough over here. And I sure. think if I check in with myself on macro levels, it'll help me on the big picture. Sure. Kind of keeping those first things first and making sure that you're always attending to each of those buckets rather than getting caught up in whatever yeah. kind of demands your attention at the moment. For sure. And I think, you know, I think so that the steps of the Amrap mentality is like, know your why, identify your focus, um, work hard at it, like really hard. Like we talk about earned versus perceived confidence. I think it's a really interesting topic because I could perceive, I could pump myself up and slap myself in the right. face all I want right. before going out on a workout with Matt Frazier. But Matt has all this earned confidence from decades of competing, all these different things. So I think you got to work really hard, have the earned confidence. Then you switch gears throughout those different things. And then finally, every now and then you reevaluate yeah. what those focuses are. An example of a reevaluation for me is when Ava got sick. That sure. was a big reevaluation or sure. maybe you lose your job or whatever. You need to kind of reevaluate what you're trying to do. 
aside from those big kind of life changes, are there points, do you do like on a yearly basis or quarterly where you kind of reevaluate your progress or, or where you're trying to go? Well, I mean, as a business, we have that for sure. It's like structured where we have a team sit down, we talk about our goals, all those different things. Sure. But I think for me, it's, 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 you know, regular check-ins with my wife, like, like every six months, like, Hey, how are we doing? What can we do better? How can I be a better version of myself? How can you be a better version of yourself? How can we help each other get there? Um, on a regular, you know, like biannual, like that's not like a nightly thing. It's just a you know <laughs> right. biannual basis. And then when it comes to my fitness, it's just, you know, I like to kind of think about it as I want to get as uncomfortable as often as I can. And then I'm, I know I'm doing things well, meaning get uncomfortable, go do a jujitsu competition, get uncomfortable, go jump in the ocean at 5am because I don't want to, I know it's going to help me to develop a set of skills to overcome adversity, which will only help me in the future. So you're kind of seeking out those uncomfortable situations. Yeah. Within reason. Yeah. Like I used to really seek them out when I was competing. Sure. Now I seek them out with like a little bit tailored back, right? <laughs> sure. Like sure. <laughs> instead of loading up an ice bath, let me just jump in my cold pool. You know? <laughs> that sounds good. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, what are some of the things that you think have been, have contributed most to the success of your business? I mean, surrounding myself with really good people. Um, these are going to sound cliche, but like surrounding myself with really good people, knowing what I know and what I don't know, and, you know, staying true to kind of like the original vision and being willing to pivot and shift as the industry has grown. So, you know, when we went from one location to now 20, a lot has changed in the last 10, 11 years in the a fitness lot. space. Yeah. And if we stuck to the same plan, the same this, the same that, we wouldn't we, we wouldn't be around forever. I mean, examples are all over the place of that, like Blockbuster and Hollywood Video or right. whatever. And so for us, it's about you know finding people around me that can elevate me and not being afraid if they're better at things than I am. Like, that's okay. I want that. And learning how to delegate has been a really challenging thing early on. But once I learned how to delegate, it's really helped me because my me trying to do everything is never going to be as good as someone doing it 100%. So I think right. those are really important things I've had to learn the hard way. Right. And then, you know, um, on the on the business side, in, in terms of, you know, you have to be okay with making some hard decisions. And as long as you could back them up with logic, you know, shifting and, and pivoting and and you know, kind of flowing like a, like, like a river is where I, where I think we need to go. And I think being able to make those tough decisions, but, but being steadfast in that decision, getting employee buy-in, but once we make it, like we got to go has, has, I think really helped out. And probably seeking out those uncomfortable situations in other areas of your life has paid off there too. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, all the competition experience, all that kind of stuff has really helped in business because it's helped me to learn how to overcome adversity, which happens all the time in business. And then also having good mentors. I've, I've been really blessed with really good people who've done a lot of really good stuff who've kind of pulled me up with them. Yeah. And, um, that's been something that's been great. And I think, I mean, you're only as good as the information as much as you consume it, but I'm really interested in consuming information from whoever I can and then deciphering which one is valuable for our business. For your situation. So are there any books, people, things that you kind of look to or that you use as inspiration? I mean, early on for me, you know, Mark Cuban, The Sport of Business was a really cool book, mainly because of the way he translated a sport uh, 
business to a sport. And I started looking at everything as a sport because yeah. in a sport like CrossFit, you know who your competitors are, you know when you're going to compete. But in business, you don't know who's trying to come at your heels and you don't know when they're going to come get you. And so you always got to try and be on top of your game. Yeah. And I think that was a really cool thing that I read early on when I was in college or high school, whatever it was. And then since then, I've been able to meet with a lot of really good people at an early age. I was 14 when I started at the gym. I started selling gym memberships at 18. And I had two really good mentors who taught me how to sell, taught me how to interact with people, and taught me the business side of fitness. And I just consumed everything. And so those guys, Joe and Min, played a big role in my ability to um, help out when I actually started a gym myself. And then since then, I've had a lot of other mentors from like a big business perspective, but those guys originally laid the foundation. That's amazing. And from such a young age too. Yeah. I mean, I had to, like HQ, CrossFit HQs really helped me with my speaking abilities because I used to teach seminars for CrossFit. And so I had film myself and then review my film, see how I spoke. But at, you know, 17, 18 years old, when I started selling gym memberships, I had to learn how to overcome objections from the person across the table and try and identify ways and things they're looking for to help get them to buy a membership. And so that was a cool thing to learn at an early age. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, I want to start kind of winding down. We had talked before kind of about how you decide how you're going to spend your time each day, but what is a typical day in your life look like now? Uh, I mean, I'll give you today. Okay. So today's kind of typical. So last night I got home from Hawaii. This morning I left the house at like six and I went to Sacramento. Uh, we filmed two podcasts, did a workout and I drove back and then I'm, we're, we're meeting and then I'm going to have dinner with the family. And then afterwards, after the kids go to bed, then I will get back on email. So traditionally it's wake up in the morning, either do some fasting cardio or I have like early meetings. Then I, then I take care of like, I'm at, I'm at work, I'm taking meetings, et cetera. And then I always try and come home by five o'clock for dinner. And then after the kids go back to sleep around eight o'clock, I get back on emails till till late. And then that just repeats on a reoccurring basis. But it's like fitness, business throughout the day, and then um, family. Family time. And then on the weekends, obviously, there's more family, um, definitely more family time. And then we also travel a lot together. So that's a really good way to... to um, that's a really good way for us to connect on a deeper level. Definitely. How much sleep do you get? I sleep probably on, on a regular basis. I try and go to bed. I think the biggest difference probably between me and other people is that I don't watch TV really or play video games or any of that kind of stuff. Um, and so I get to sleep probably around, I get to sleep before 11 every night and then I wake up around you know six. Okay. So not bad. Like At least seven, seven hours. Seven hours. Good. But it's just pretty consistent. Yeah. Like yeah, yeah. Uh, in between 10 and 11, I, I try and go to sleep and I just sleep like that. Like yeah. I don't have to worry about it. Some people I'm, do, but I don't. <laughs> I'm with you on that one. I can fall asleep anywhere. It's a good skill to have. Um, all right. So I want to finish with three questions I ask everyone on the podcast. Sure. The first one is three things that you do on a regular basis that have the biggest positive impact on your health. Positive impact on my health well, exercise, right? Um, have good, uh, have good conversations with like my wife and our children and constantly trying to ask each other, Hey, how can I be better? How can you be better? I think that's a really, really important thing, like for mental health, not just physical. And then thirdly would be, you know, I think getting comfortable with uncomfortable. I think those things help me with my health because I try new things. Like tomorrow I have a sauna being delivered here. Um, I try cold, 
plunging. Like I'm trying different things to see what makes my body feel good. But exercise above all, like trumps everything else because I feel excellent when I'm done. Mm-hmm. Love it. Love it. Next question is one thing that you think would have a big impact on your health, but you have a hard time implementing it or you haven't tried it yet. Uh, nutrition. Okay. Yeah. So nutrition obviously plays a big role. Yeah. But for me, I just, I've never really been, um, I mean, I've done paleo challenges. I've done this, I've done that. But I think for me, it's just, I don't take it so seriously and that helps me. I, I know if I did take it more seriously, maybe, you know, my physique would change a little bit. Maybe my blood markers would be a little bit better, but I also don't think I'd have as much enjoyment in life. So that's something that- One of those areas of balance. Yeah. Yeah. On that note, kind of with the AMRAP mentality, how do you make sure to kind of maintain the balance or do things that are energizing or recharging for yourself um, so that you're not like constantly doing AMRAPs all day long? Yeah, that's something I'm trying to get better at. Yeah. I'm not good at it. Like I'm not good at, I'm not good at like spending time with like my friends, for example, or doing guy because like I feel guilty if I'm not spending time on the business or my fitness or my family. And that's something I need to start taking a step back from and just spending more time on things that are just like purely enjoyment versus like pursuing like you know right deeply, <laughs> you know just yeah. that's something I'm 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 working on. I'm and- totally in the same boat as you and I keep you know, it's easy to say like, oh, it's, I'm in residency right now. Like, this is just how it is. But there's always going to be something. And it's a skill that we all kind of have to be working on. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's just tough because I'm really passionate about a lot of the right. things I'm doing. And so even if I'm not at work, I'm still thinking about ways right. we can improve. And that's something I got to get better at um, is, is that's something I need to get better at. One of the things I found that helps me with that is um, being in the water. So like I spend, whether it be the ocean or the pool, um, there's just zero distractions. There's no phones. There's no music. There's nothing. And it could just be me and the kids or me by myself. And I think that's where I could be kind of just I love neutral. that. Kind of find your happy place. Yeah. Very cool. Um, last question is, what does a healthy life look like to you? I think a healthy life for me, well, I'll, I'll go twofold. One is when I'm like 80, I want to look back and say to myself, did I do the best I could to, to reach my potential? And that's a healthy life to me, meaning my potential as an athlete, a uh, business owner, and as a husband and a father. And I think that if I can answer that when I'm 80, then I lived a healthy life, meaning I had good balance across different things in my life. And I actually tried to pursue this excellence and didn't just get by with mediocre effort. That would be the top of it. I love it. And like you, like you say, you know, going to the bed, going to bed at the end of every day, feeling like you gave your best effort. And over the time, by the time you're 80, to be able to have that feeling about your whole life, I think is amazing. That's the goal. Amazing. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with me. This has been awesome. I'm so glad that Ava's doing well, that your whole family's doing well. It's awesome to see you really thriving in all these other areas of your life post CrossFit games. Um, they'll always be great memories for us, but I think, um, you know, it's important to, like you said, to know when is the right time to move on and to have that bigger picture in mind and kind of put things in perspective. Yeah. Same to you. I love watching everything you're doing. So it's been great. Thank you. Hey guys, thanks so much for tuning into this episode. I loved this conversation with Jason and there were some prominent themes that I know I'm going to take away. 
Number one was Jason's AMRAP mentality. In other words, staying in the moment and focused on the task at hand. Number two was only worrying about what's within your circle of control and not stressing out about the other things that you have no control over. Number three was the importance of maintaining a positive attitude or positive outlook. Number four was regularly pushing yourself outside your comfort zone. And the fifth theme that I'm really going to take away from our conversation was the importance of spending time nurturing your relationships and especially spending time with your family, as that is really what it's all about. I also wanted to pass along the message from Jason. He wanted to know that you can purchase your copy of his new book, as many reps as possible, on pre-order at jasonkalipa.com forward slash amrepmentality. And up until the book is officially released January 8th, all 100% of proceeds from these book pre-sales is going to go directly to Never Ever Give Up, the Jesse Reese Foundation, which is an amazing foundation that supports children fighting cancer. Furthermore, we'd love to hear your feedback on this episode. Let's keep this conversation going over on social media using hashtag pursuing health. If you tuned into my last episode, you know that I've been on a search for the perfect coffee creamer and I got my order from Thrive Market and have been enjoying trying out several different options over the past couple of weeks. Have you heard of Thrive Market yet? They sell top organic and healthy products online at 25 to 50% off shipped straight to your door. As a sponsor of this episode of the podcast, they're providing an amazing offer to all my Pursuing Health listeners. So you can go to www.thrivemarket.com forward slash PH, and there you'll receive an additional 25% off your first purchase, plus free shipping and a free 30-day trial. So my husband and I have been using Thrive Market for years. It's helped us to maximize our efficiency with grocery shopping and meal prep in the midst of our very busy schedules from competing and training in the CrossFit Games years ago to now balancing our busy schedules with residency. Using Thrive Market, we can shop for all of our staple grocery items and ingredients from a curated list of products that we know and we can trust. Whether you're looking for paleo, vegan, gluten-free, non-GMO, or organic products, you can find them on the Thrive Market platform at prices 25 to 50% below retail, as I mentioned. Even better, these items are shipped straight to your doorstep, so you don't have to worry about the time or hassle of grocery shopping, which I love. I also love that Thrive Market demonstrates a huge commitment to giving back. So for everyone who signs up for a Thrive Market membership, another membership is donated to a low-income family, veteran, or teacher. Thrive Market's mission is to make healthy living easy and approachable to everyone, and this aligns perfectly with my own personal mission and that of pursuing health. Because it has been such a lifesaver in my own life, I wanted to share the benefits of Thrive Market with all of you, and they've responded with an amazing offer. So again, head to www.thrivemarket.com forward slash PH to take advantage of 25% off your first purchase, plus free shipping and a free 30-day trial. Again, this is on top of their already 25 to 50% below retail prices. So I hope you can take advantage of this amazing offer and enjoy their service as much as I have. Once again, head to thrivemarket.com forward slash PH to save on some of your favorite items for healthy living and help make a healthy lifestyle easy, affordable, and accessible for all. This episode is brought to you by ButcherBox. ButcherBox delivers 100% grass-fed and finished beef, free-range organic chicken, and heritage breed pork directly to your doorstep. 
Now, I think meat can have a place in a well-rounded diet, but there is a huge, huge difference when it comes to animals raised in feedlots that are fed primarily corn and soy and routinely given growth hormones and antibiotics, and those that are responsibly raised, fed their natural diet, and never given growth hormones or antibiotics. ButcherBox gives me some peace of mind, knowing that I can trust my meat is the highest quality out there and that it will taste amazing. They allow you to order curated or custom boxes of meat, and they always come with recipe ideas for you to explore. My husband, Danny, and I are super excited about firing up our backyard grill this summer to enjoy our butcher box selections with tons of vegetables from our local CSA. And you can join us. ButcherBox is extending an awesome offer to you for listening to Pursuing Health. Just head to butcherbox.com forward slash Julie for $20 off your order, plus a free order of their delicious bacon. Again, that's butcherbox.com forward slash Julie. Hope you can check it out and that it makes your life a little bit easier just as it has done for us. 